Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Hey, so it's great to be speaking this morning. And as a church, we're looking at humility and what it means to walk humbly before God. And I love humility because I love the fact that God says He opposes the proud, but He uplifts the humble. And if I could have anybody that uplifted me, it would be God. And if there's anyone that I didn't want opposing me, it would be God. Um, So I love humility. And if you've been going on this journey with us for a while, just a few things that we've covered so forth, so forth, so forth, we've been covering these things, there, laddies. A humble person recognizes I can't do anything without God. I was preaching in India once, and they wanted me to preach with an Indian accent to help the translator, and that just felt so difficult. I'd be like, good morning, everybody. Translator, do you understand me now? A humble person includes God in your day, turning their hearts and thoughts and decisions to Him always. Which is good, because if you're preaching in Russia and you had to do that, that would sound way more intimidating. Uh, so a humble person confesses their sins to others. Oh, you want to do a Russian? Okay. Uh, uh, humble person confesses sins to others. Humble person use faith to keep advancing. Make a revolution go further. Okay, so this morning, uh, what, what I want to share on, and I actually got the thought for this in worship last week, uh, a humble person waits. A humble person waits. And what I want to do this morning is I want to briefly share uh, two Bible stories that contrast one another, then to round it up, I want to share a personal story from my life, and then we might just have a wee moment of waiting in the presence of God. And when you say a humble person waits, that can kind of be like, well, how long is a piece of string? Because, you know, a humble person waits for God. Well, how long should I wait? Um, sometimes I would ask that question, answer that question with another question is, how important is the thing that you're waiting for? Or how long did God say to wait for? Uh, and uh, often God's kind of like, wait until I do this. When will you do this, God? I will do it when I do it. I interviewed someone the other day. Uh, I was up filming um, a TV show, I interviewed a guy. I said, what do you do? And he said, I do what I do when I need to do it, and that's when I do it. That's when I do what I do. And I thought, oh, this person's been interviewed a lot. So I said, where do you do it, and who do you do it for? He said, I do it for those that need it, where they are, when they need it, and that's when I do it, and that's what I do. I thought, I'm getting nowhere with this interview. And sometimes it can be a little bit like that with God. When will you do it, God? I will do it when I do it. I've actually already done it. It just hasn't happened yet in your reality. Well, how helpful. So the first story, okay, the first story takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 13, okay? And I, I, I get a little bit distracted. I'm not the greatest uh, reader, so I'm not going to go through uh, my notes very much. But if you want to reference this later on, it is 1, chapter th- uh, 1 Samuel 13 verse 5. And this is the story, okay? Israel is at war with the Philistines and Saul is king. And Saul is the first king to ever reign Israel. And if you don't know your Bible very well, this is in the Old Testament, and this is ages before Jesus comes. So this is before Jesus. Before Jesus, in the Bible, lots of things happen that don't happen as much after Jesus. So I like the before Jesus part of the Bible, because there's way more wars and battle, and it's just very manly. And if there was an issue, you could just kill the person, and like, yeah. Um, 
you could kill a person and it was all good. Okay. So in this story, uh, Israel goes to war and the Philistines come out to meet them and they've got thousands of chariots, thousands of charioteers and they've got foot soldiers that see it so numerous that they couldn't be counted. And Israel's there and they see the huge army and they begin freaking out. And it says that men began to run away and to hide. Some even fled and crossed the Jordan River to get away. And those soldiers that were brave enough to remain, it says, physically shook with fear at the vast army before them. And it says, and Saul realized that he was in a predicament. And in these times, they couldn't really go out to war until they'd given God a sacrifice. And Samuel is... Um, the lead prophet, and he's the, the lead uh, Levite leader there doing the sacrifices and things like that. And so he says to Saul, I will be there in seven days, and I will offer the sacrifice. Once that has been done, you can go to war, and God will be with you. And Saul, he's not a Levite, so it would be illegal for him to offer the sacrifice, okay? It's not, he's, he doesn't have the priestly duties. He hasn't been ordained for that. He's been ordained as a king. He's got his role. He hasn't been ordained as a priest, so he can't do that role. And it says the time came when Samuel was meant to arrive and he was not there. So you can imagine King Saul, he's there. He's got his army is disappearing day by day. They are fleeing. And the men that are with him are physically shaking with fear. And he's like, well, you know, in the next six minutes, uh, Samuel should be here. We can finally get this show on the road and God will turn up. And then the prophet who represents God to the nation doesn't arrive when he said he would. And so Saul has a choice to make. Do I wait for the representation of God to arrive or do I take matters into my own hands and just fix it myself? And and we know that a humble person can't do anything without God. And so a prideful person is one who thinks that basically they can do God's job themselves. And so in a moment of panic, he tips into pride and he offers a sacrifice himself. It says, just as he was finishing, the prophet arrived. Don't you just like, oh my gosh, if you had just waited a few more hours. And the prophet arrives and says, what is this that you have done? If you had just waited for me, I would have done it for you, and God would have established your kingdom forever. But already he has taken the throne away from you. He has sought out the heart of someone who is more worthy than you. The kingdom doesn't belong to you anymore. And in that moment, God's eyes shifted from the king over to a young boy in the shepherd fields called David. It was like, that's going to be my guy. He's somebody that will wait for me. So you you look at this story and you kind of go, well, that's kind of harsh because you didn't arrive basically representation of God when you said you would. Have you ever noticed that when you're waiting for God to turn up that he doesn't arrive when you thought he would? And and we can have this frustration which we can then kind of use to uh, make it okay for ourselves to then go do what we thought God should have done for us. We go, well, you didn't turn up when we thought you should, so we're going to take matters into our own hands. But a humble person waits. And I want, to, I want to contrast this story here in Samuel to the book of Acts. So the book of Acts takes place just after Jesus has died. 
and he comes back to life. And so he comes back to life and for 40 days he starts appearing to the believers and and hanging out with them and kind of showing himself, look, I'm real, I've come back to life. And then he has this amazing conversations with the apostles and he says to them, this is what I need you to do. Stay in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere, but stay here and wait because my spirit is going to come upon you. It says in the NIV, in a few days, my spirit will come. And a lot of other translations, it says, in not many days. And then that day he ascends to heaven. And so these guys, they gather together and they pray and they're in the upper room. And if it were me, and Jesus said to me, in a few days, my spirit will come. I'm thinking two to three days, because that's what a few days means. You know? If he says not many days, I'm thinking two to three days, because that's not many days. So these guys are there, and they're praying, and they have not really any definite time other than just in a few days. And day four rolls around, and the Holy Spirit hasn't turned up yet. Day five rolls around, and he hasn't turned up yet. Day six, day seven, day eight, day nine rolls around, and the Holy Spirit still hasn't turned up yet. And if this were me, I'd be beginning to think, well, maybe he has turned up, but we just haven't realized it yet. Maybe we should just go. Let's just send a few people out. You, you, go to, um, you, you go to Rome. You go to this place and this place. You go there, there, there. And we'll just see. If you're successful, then he has turned up. And if you die straight away, then we should have waited. Uh, but you guys go and find out, okay? Um, can you imagine what would have happened? How different the New Testament would look if on day nine they gave up waiting. It says on day 10, the Holy Spirit turned up with such an uproarious presence that it was like a storm in the room and tongues of fire began to rest on people and the Holy Spirit came on them in power and they began to speak in other languages and they, and they went out and, and Peter preached and thousands got saved and the churches began to explode and then the New Testament just took off. But can you imagine what would have happened if the intention span had just wavered, or if the sense of urgency took priority over obedience. See, for King Saul, he looked at the army before him, and he looked at the men shaking around him, and that began to take precedence over obedience. And instead of waiting for the prophet to arrive, even though he was late, it was only by a few hours but the urgency took priority over the word that he had received. And so he acted out in his own strength. So I love this in Habakkuk, it says, it was talking about revelation, though it tarries, it will not be late. Although it lingers, it will still come. Another translation, it says, though it moves slowly, surely it will arrive at its appointed time. And there's this sense with God that, Man, have you ever noticed, I noticed this, that when he wants us to do something, he'll speak to us as like, do it yesterday. Like, get moving. Time is of the essence. Your life is like a vape, man. You're going to be dead soon. And then when we're wanting God to do something, he's like, yeah, I'm on my way. (laughs) Flowers. You know? You've noticed? I've noticed. I see the inconsistencies of our relationship. 
And so here's the thing, like a humble person waits because we know that we can't do anything without God. And so if we're not waiting for Him and we're going, we're going without authority. We're going without power and we're going without purpose. And so we go in vain. And so what does this mean now to, to, to wait? And this is what I see when, when I look across church. And, and I don't, when I say church, I don't mean to activate. I mean Western church. I haven't spent much time in, in Eastern churches. But this, so this is what I see across a, a Western society, what I see online and then what I've seen around the country is that there, there has been a lost art in tarrying in the presence of God. To, to, to sit in the presence of God and to give him our focus and to extend our focus uh, gradually to the point that we will sit and we will just wait for the presence of God to move us. We're so often trying to move God that we've lost the art of sitting in his presence and allowing him to move us. The Bible says that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So I want to tell you this story. And uh, I'm, I'm a little bit ADHD. I don't know if I fully am. My mum can tell you whether I am or not, but we just kind of don't really go there. Um, but I don't like waiting for much, and, and I hate not knowing things, and I like things to happen quickly. But I am on a constant journey of God trying to slow me down and just to be still in His presence. And so I went on a prayer retreat with a friend of mine, Ian Wright. We've had him in here speaking. and said, this is what we're going to do. To start with, I'm going to sit over here. You can be comfortable where we are. And you, we're just going to sit and pray in tongues for half an hour, which is, you know, our heavenly language. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and he's, he is just having a blast instantly. He's kind of like, you can just see him. He's like, I'm just loving you, Jesus. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking, I'm so bored, so bored. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've said the same paragraph in tongues like 50 times, trying to start tongues in a different letter, if, that's too hard, let's go back to the ones I can do, you know, and after like five minutes, it's like, golly, you know, and I'm like, okay, stay focused, stay focused, and and then five minutes grows into 10 minutes, and I'm being obedient to the instruction, but I am not emotionally or spiritually engaged in the process, you know? And I'm just kind of going through the motions, going, God, I just, I hope something, you know? Anything? Are you around? And so, you know, and then 10 minutes grows into 15 minutes, and I'm like, golly. And then 15 minutes into 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden, it's like Jesus spoke to me. It wasn't audible, but it was like, came into my head so strongly, it's like I could feel the clarity in which it was spoken. And I, and I, and I felt that it was Jesus. I didn't feel like it was God or, you know, God, like Father or Holy Spirit. I was like, this was Jesus. And he said, I'm going to pass by you soon. And all of a sudden, it was like everything heightened within me. Jesus is going to pass by me soon. I don't know, what will happen when Jesus passes by me? And then it was like my spirit just went, whoa, and it woke up. It was like somebody put a wee defibrillator on me and went, clear, poof, Jesus is going to pass by you. And all of a sudden, it was like this life around the way that I was praying began to explode and, and authentic emotion that I could not 
or, or, or wasn't even trying to conjure mine, all of a sudden emotion began to wrap around what I was saying and my heart began to get excited and, and, and I began to uh, begin to like not cry, but kind of that nice Christian cry. We said, oh, a nice time with Jesus. But I began to just like, so God's going to happen. And then this thought began to wrap around my mind as I began crying out in tongues. I was, I was speaking in tongues, but my heart was yelling out in English, Jesus, pass by me, but don't pass me by. Jesus, pass by me, but don't pass me by. I was kind of like this, Jesus, look into me, don't overlook me. And this sense of urgency, I went from being bored to all of a sudden, this is the most urgent thing that I could be doing with my time. And I began crying out, Jesus, don't pass me by when you pass by me. And we can so easily go through life and going, well, I'm trying to wait for you, God. But it's boring. And it's tiring. And contending for the breakthrough and being faithful with the last thing that you said to me is exhausting. But then all of a sudden, He speaks. Because He's beginning to uplift us. Because he opposes the proud, but he uplifts the humble. And in a moment, it was like my spirit, my energy, and my conviction all of a sudden went from basement to top story as his urgency began to explode within me. Jesus, pass by me, but don't pass me by. Look into me, don't overlook me. And the urgency was so real. And then all of a sudden, as I began praying, it was like he took my imagination and showed me a vivid memory that I had forgotten. And I was about eight or nine and somebody was speaking to me and I won't go into detail because it's not relevant to this message. It'd be a sidebar. And they said something to me and Jesus spoke to me and said, that moment right there, they spoke a lie to you and that lie has been impacting the way you do relationships today. And it was so clear and the revelation brought such a freedom and such a realignment of the way that I saw things. It was like in a moment, part of my life just stepped into another level of freedom. And it's just like, it's not a grand story. It's not like, you know, and then I led a nation to freedom. (laughs) And we came back with amazing accents. But it was just like, what would have happened if at 19 minutes, I went, God, this is just too boring for me. Nothing's happening. And I get that sometimes we just come into the presence of God and it's just about us giving Him praise. And that is the greatest thing we could ever do with our time. It's not always about receiving from Him or getting the next thing. It's not about that. But there is something to be said of, God, I will come into your presence and I don't want to leave your presence until I'm satisfied that I have met with you. Like Jacob, who wrestled with the angel, I can't let you go until I get a blessing from you. And a humble person recognizes they can't do anything without God. So the logical next step is I need him. And so I will wait for him. I won't make the mistake that Saul made and go, do you know what? Because circumstances are no longer convenient for me to be obedient... And because it looks as though God has forgotten me, I will take matters into my own hands. That we would be like the apostles, like I thought he said in a few days. But regardless, the instruction was to wait. Whether the details are not coming out the way that we thought they were, the instruction was to wait. And we will wait until he moves us. 
So this is what I just want to encourage you as I just close right now. And maybe, Abel, you want to jump up on the keys. and It's to begin to identify the areas, keys, guitar. I mean, you should <laughs> grab the bass and let's set a mood with that. <laughs> the holy, holy, holy ghost. Um, <laughs> what are the areas of your life, basically? If I could give you a question to ask God this morning, we're going to just take five minutes, three to five minutes to be still. And just ask God this one question, God, what are the areas of my life you are asking me to be still and to wait in your presence around? That might be a simple thing as just getting in his presence and waiting for him, just praying in tongues and waiting for his spirit to move around you. Or it could be something practical in business or family that you've been looking to make a move in and he's just saying, wait, not yet. Just would you wait? Would you wait? There's a different wind going to blow. And if you go down this track, you'll miss the favor that I've appointed for you. I've got great things for you. Would you wait? And I'm gonna leave the how long is a piece of string between you and Jesus because there's no formula for that to how long you should wait. So let's just take this time now. God, God, where are you calling us to wait in your presence that we would renew our strength? What areas of our life do you want us to surrender fresh and say, Father, I will wait for your instruction. I've been trying to do it on my own. I will wait and do it with you so that I can do it with strength, power, and purpose. So just three minutes now, you might want to take your phone out to write a note down, the question we ask him. Where are you calling me to wait?